You're listening to Expanding Horizons, the podcast of the Unitarian Church of South Australia, a home of progressive spirituality and free religious thought and action since 1854. The views expressed in these podcasts are those of the speaker and are not intended to represent the position of the church itself or of the worldwide Unitarian Universalist movement. For more information, visit unitariansa.org.au. welcome you all and I thought I'd begin by getting through some notices as we're finally getting organised, maybe waiting for one or two more people. One bit of business to announce is that we have the annual general meeting coming up soon. There are nomination sheets on the notice board and people are welcome to apply, subject to having been a member sufficient amount of time. That's very important to think about if you would like to serve on the committee, because otherwise we'll probably have to drag people in. This afternoon, in case uh, anyone is interested, a number of us will be at the Shady Grove site, because there's a bush care afternoon tea commencing at 2 o'clock, listening to people about bush care on the site and generally, enjoying an afternoon tea and a tour of the bush around the chapel there. Here, there's a working bee this Wednesday at 12 noon to 3 p.m. Just different odd jobs we need to do around the building and the garden. This Wednesday, Words of Spirit at 6 p.m., 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., where people can contemplate some holy words. And now I'll hand over to Jenny because she can tell you a little bit more about what our young women are doing They are in the process of a coming-of-age ritual, and they're going to be going on a long walk this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, following more or less the Pioneer Women's Trail from the hills down to the eastern suburbs. So Jenny will tell you about that in case you want to uh, stop off along the way to say hello to them, welcome them, and so on. Okay, now if you want to actually join in any bit of walk... Uh, you do need to ring me because I will need your phone number because whatever one plans does not happen in real time. You know, if you leave half an hour late, you'll be late, late half an hour for the first checkpoint and so on. So that's if you actually want to walk. However, what I have here is the stopping places. And the first one is wonderful. It's the Cedars Cafe. You know, the Cedars is Hans Heisen's house on, on the train. That, that's 11, will be there by 11.30 I am. It's a great place for brunch. It's only been open since April. It's idyllic, beautiful garden and so on. And then there's the Bridgewater Mill on the first day. And on the second day, really, just join us at the end at the uh, at Hazelwood Park, at Hazel's Cafe. We chose that as our end point because it's got toilets and treats like hot chips and ice cream and things like that. So... These, I'm just handing out, you don't have to ring me if you're just going to meet us at the Cedars or at the Bridgewater Mill or at Hazel's. You only need to ring me if you actually want to be walking. 
So excuse us for there being a lot of notices this morning, but there's a lot happening around the place. I do let you know that next Sunday there'll be a guest speaker, Carolyn Spooner, who works at the State Library. She gave an excellent public address on Catherine Helen Spence and the Unitarians, and she'll be giving a version of that at next Sunday's service here. After the service, importantly, there's a concert, A Touch of Mozart, with our very own Brendan and Margaret uh, playing for us. So maybe factor in a longer time here than usual if you'd like to stay on for the music. On the 24th of October, so that's Tuesday week, there's going to be another interfaith dinner here in the hall. And I wouldn't mind a show of hands of people who would be willing to arrive at 5pm to help set up tables. So I've got at least two. Uh, I know Erica regularly attends those, so that that should be enough. Thank you. There'll be another announcement about that next week. And finally, those who have pledged wine for the Catherine Helen Spence oration, it's being left in the office more or less under Mary's desk. So either bring it next Sunday, otherwise you could drop in during office hours if that suits. Could I have a volunteer to collect any flowers in the audience during the prelude music? They'll be all brought up to the altar and uh, that'll make things simpler. Once again, welcome everyone. Everyone's welcome here, no matter what, their background, age, ethnicity, whatever. I recognise that we're on the traditional lands of the Ghana people and we respect their elders past and present. Let us always have an ear ready to hear them regardless of the vote that's taken place this weekend. Notices we've dealt with as Most of you know it's possible to make an offering in the bowl on the way out, either tap and pay or cash. That would be appreciated. Thank you. And now Margaret will play for us to a wild rose, Edward McDowell.
And so a customary part of our service is to light the candle on this chalice. And it's time to remember that it began as a symbol of resistance to tyranny. It was originally part of a two-dimensional image stamped on documents created by the Unitarian Service Committee to help Jewish refugees escape Nazi persecution. The design had been hastily put together by Hans Deutsch, himself a refugee, and although the meaning wasn't explicitly defined, from the beginning it had connotations of helpfulness, sacrifice, guidance and love, qualities very much needed in the world right now. Now I'd like to invite Fred, Cecily and Tommy to come up to the stage. So Fred, Cecily and Tommy are our newest members. In fact, they've been around for a while and they've showed their willingness to, to pitch in and help. We've all taken our different journeys to arrive here, but what matters is that we're a caring group of people who want to become more kind and loving. It is, in fact, amazing that we come together without judgment, without prejudice and without dogma, and somehow it all still holds together. So, Fred, Cecily and Tommy, perhaps in that order, I think that might have been the order of joining, but not even, I haven't checked the records. Could you, in just a few seconds, say one thing about yourselves, something about your identity? Fred? Beautifully said. I'll just ask Peter now to come forward. Sorry, I'm going to hold you up on the stage there, folks, for a few minutes while Peter reads to us the seven principles embraced by the Unitarians. I have to say, I, I know Fred of old. He coordinated my master's degree when I did an MBA many years ago. <laughs> the principles are not dogma or doctrine, but rather a guide for those of us who choose to join and participate in Unitarian Universalist religious communities. Those are the words of the Reverend Barbara Wells. The first principle is the inherent worth and dignity of every person. The second is the justice, equity and compassion in human relations. Third, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. The fourth principle, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. The fifth principle is the right of conscience and the use of democratic process within our congregations and in society at large. The sixth principle, the goal of world community with peace, liberty and justice for all. And finally, the seventh principle, which encircles the whole lot of these principles, and you can see it on the banner out the front there, respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are part. Thank you, Peter. And now a couple of questions for our new members. If you are comfortable doing so, because there is no compulsion in this place, you can simply say, I will. And if you're not comfortable, we'll have a chat after the service. <laughs> so firstly, I'll, 
I'll just ask you all as a group, will you keep in mind these principles of the Unitarians? I will. And as you continue in your uh, time here, will you care for others and participate in the activities of the church subject to your time and capacity? Uh, I do and I will. This is like a marriage ceremony. It is a bit. Maybe. Oh, well, that will do. And now I ask you people, will you take care of Tommy, Cecily and Fred and be partners with them in a journey of spiritual growth? Thank you. Good. I'm glad I had a slide prepared beforehand and I'm glad they gave the right answer. (laughs) And now what I'm going to do is present you each with a badge. It's a little old-fashioned to have badges, perhaps, but it's a special thing, and whether you wear it or have it on the the dressing table at home is entirely up to you. But it is a memento of your membership here, and if you don't take too long about it, you can try and choose a colour. (laughs) Well, thank you, um, Tommy, Cecily and Fred. Uh, We welcome you uh, as part of this group. You've already been with us a long time and we really appreciate you being here. So if you'd like to take your seat, well done. And now for something completely different. Janet is going to do some play reading for us. A Winter's Tale, Act 4, Scene 4, Perdita. Here's flowers for you. Hot lavender, mince, savoury, marjoram, the marigold that goes to bed with the sun, and with him rises weeping. These are flowers of middle summer, and I think they are given to men of middle age. A Midsummer Night's Dream, Act 2, Scene 1, Oberon. I know a bank where the wild thyme blows, where oxlips and the nodding violet grows, quite over-canopied with luscious woodbine, with sweet musk roses and with eglantine. There sleeps Titania, some time of the night, lured in these flowers with dances and delight. Thank you, Janet. And you may keep the microphone with you for the moment, but we're going to go to our time of candles, of joys and concerns, a time when people have an opportunity to express a personal joy or concern. Let's take a moment of silence to just reflect on what we've heard. As Unitarians, we care for each other and ourselves, our friends and family, but we can't be blind to the injustices of the world around us. Often it's painful to witness, painful to read about, and the challenge is often what good can we do against the weight of the world and the injustices we know are out there. Many of us do find a way 
So let's be grateful for all the avenues we have of service to others, whether it's individually helping someone move some furniture, a kind word and affirmation, or through one of the many organisations which work to alleviate the injustice of the world. And now, uh, as we prepare for the Flower Communion, Peter's going to read uh, a poem, Daffodils, by William Wordsworth. Wordsworth was, of course, one of the Romantic poets, along with uh, Keats and Coleridge. And Coleridge, of course, was, <clears throat> although in later years he denied it, he, he was, in fact, a Unitarian and preached at a number of Unitarian churches in Somerset and in Shropshire, I think. Daffodils. I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high o'er vales and hills, when all at once I saw a crowd, a host of golden daffodils, beside the lake, beneath the trees, fluttering and dancing in the breeze. Continuous as the stars that shine and twinkle on the Milky Way, they stretched in never-ending line along the margin of a bay. Ten thousand saw I at a glance, tossing their heads in sprightly dance. The waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not but be gay in such a jocund company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. For oft, when on my couch I lie, in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye, that which is the bliss of solitude, and then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. And now let me tell you something about the Flower Communion. So it was created 100 years ago, 1923, by Dr. Norbert Čapek, founder of the modern Unitarian movement in Czechoslovakia. And around the beginning of summer in Prague and in many places around the world, Unitarians participate in this ritual which affirms our celebration of life. No wonder that the, the beauty of the flowers inspires poets like Wordsworth and Shakespeare. May these messengers of beauty be blessed. May they bring joy into our lives. They symbolise also in their individuality, their particularity, the uniqueness of each human being, each of us beautiful, each of us different, each of us worthy to be part of this communion of life. And now uh, what I'll ask is for those of you who are able to come forward and uh, take a flower from our beautiful dish of flowers while Margaret plays music for us. And then we'll make sure that those who are remaining in their seats can also have the opportunity to select a flower. So if you would like to quietly come forward.
let's take a moment to reflect on this wonderful communion. We have given and we have received. And it's like this in life. We each have our unique gifts. We have different capacities and different time we allocate to ourselves and others. But we make an effort to be generous to others. Thank you for having given today and please rejoice in what you have been given. A precious gift, a symbol of life and a sign of the kindness of others in the world for which we are grateful. Just before we go to sing a hymn, I read out for you a slightly shortened version of Dr. Chapek's Flower Communion Prayer, remembering that he lived in a more religious time. In the name of Providence, which implants in the seed the future of the tree, and in people's hearts the longing to live with love, in the name of sages and great religious leaders who sacrificed their lives to hasten the coming of peace and justice, let us renew our resolution sincerely to be real brothers and sisters, regardless of any kind of barrier. In this holy resolution, may we be strengthened, knowing that one spirit, the spirit of love, unites us, and may we strive for a more perfect and more joyful life. Amen. Now, if you have your green hymn books with you, hymn number 43, Mother Spirit, Father Spirit. few reflections on Dr. Chapek and the Flower Communion. His mother was a devout Catholic, his father agnostic. He became heavily involved from an early age at St. Martin's Catholic Church. In the years that followed, he became disillusioned. His priest was cynical. At 18, Apprenticed to his uncle, who was a successful tailor in Vienna, Norbert discovered the Baptists and became a minister. He founded almost a dozen churches from Ukraine to Budapest. In 1914, in the shadow of World War I, he left Bohemia for the USA and soon after was called to serve as minister at a Baptist church in New York City. Slowly, however, his faith had evolved beyond the dogma of that church. The Baptists noticed. <laughs> there was tension. 
he was accused of being a heretic. One day in 1919, he wrote in his diary, I cannot be a Baptist anymore, even in compromise. The fire of new desires, new worlds, is burning inside me. Norbert and his wife, Maya, joined a Unitarian church in New Jersey, New Jersey, in 1921, because their children liked the religious education program. However, later in the same year, he and Maya returned home to Czechoslovakia to establish a Unitarian church. The name translates as the Prague Liberal Religious Fellowship. He wrote, quote, The church's task must be to place truth above any tradition, spirit above any scripture, freedom above authority, and progress above all reaction. Over a period of 20 years, his church grew to 3,200 members. The traditional Christian communion service of bread and wine wouldn't meet the needs of his congregation because his church, like our group, had people who believed many different things. Some of them were even atheists. <laughs> Inspired by the beauty of flowers in the countryside outside of Prague, in 1923, Chapik developed the flower communion. At the outbreak of World War II, he could have escaped back to the US, but he chose to stay in his country. His wife, Maya, did leave for the US, where she brought the flower ceremony to the Unitarian Church in Cambridge, Massachusetts, in 1940. He was a visionary minister with a message of freedom, fellowship, and conscience. The Prague Unitarians proclaimed and lived that message even as the storm clouds of Nazi tyranny grew over Europe. And we are a church in that tradition. Chapek's public defence of free thinking and justice brought him to the attention of the Nazi forces occupying his country. The Gestapo arrested him in 1941. He was convicted of listening to foreign broadcasts. They sent him to Dachau concentration camp, where he was eventually killed in a gas chamber the following year. He went to his death, confident of an afterlife. He wrote, quote, If death were the end of everything, then life would be the stupidest of all comedies and would lack all meaning and purpose. How could providence abandon and betray us when our lips have barely touched the rim of the cup of life? Even in starvation and torture, he held a flower ceremony with his fellow prisoners finding whatever flowers they could among the weeds of the camp. They testified to a beauty and a spirit larger than themselves and a love that would outlive them. This gentle man suffered a cruel death, but his courage and humanity live on through the flower communion, which is still celebrated around the world by Unitarians. The ceremony is not intended as a historical reenactment, it is rather an affirmation of our commitment to love and eternal opposition to brutality and tyranny. It affirms the value and dignity of each individual, no matter the variations between us in beliefs and physical form. This flower ceremony proclaims that amidst the horrors of the world, the spirit of life persists. Let us spend a minute in silent contemplation. Finish this part of our service with words written by Dr. Chapek shortly before he was put to death.
Quote, it is worthwhile to live and fight courageously for sacred ideals. You evil winds blow into my body's fire, my soul you'll never unravel. Even though disappointed a thousand times, fallen in the fight, and when everything seems worthless, I have lived amidst eternity. And now for something completely different. It's not that easy being green Having to spend each day the color of the leaves When I think it could be nicer being red or yellow or gold Or something much more colorful like that It's not that easy being green It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things And people tend to pass you over Cause you're not standing out like flashy sparkles in the water Or stars in the sky But green's the color of spring And green can be cool and friendly like And green can be big like an ocean Or important like a mountain Or tall like a tree to be it could make you wonder why but why wonder why why wonder I'm green and it'll do fine it's beautiful and I think it's what I want to be Thank you, everyone. Please stay back for tea and coffee. I promise, I promise not to do any more frog impersonations. Uh, um, please, especially if you haven't been here before or you haven't been here for a while, let's have a cup of tea together. Thank you.
hope you've enjoyed this Expanding Horizons podcast. These podcasts are the intellectual property of the presenter. They can be used only with the express permission and appropriate acknowledgement of the presenter. This permission can be obtained by emailing admin at unitariansa.org.au. Please feel free to leave a comment or visit us on Facebook or Twitter by searching SA Unitarians or by visiting our website at unitariansa.org.au.